Welcome to the Grillcast, your executive briefing on privacy. Top-line privacy insights from the voice of your peers. Today, we're thrilled to welcome another industry leader in security, Vanessa Pigueros, Chief Trust and Security Officer at OneLogin. Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you, Daniel. It's nice to be here. Yeah, like I said when we first spoke, I'm really impressed by your background. I feel like you've covered so many different industries. Um, Perhaps you want to just give us a a bit of an intro to get us going? Sure, yeah. I have been in, uh, as you mentioned, many different uh, companies. I think I'm on company number 13 in my career. Um, Different verticals. I've been in uh, banking and telecom and SaaS and e-com and more recently with a company called OneLogin and Security. Uh, definitely had a, I've always been uh, from the start in technology, uh, had an engineering undergrad degree, really uh, love technology and continue to love technology. Um, about 18 years ago, I got, uh, I always tell people secure, I didn't choose security, security chose me. And uh, <laughs> that launched my career. There was a, a, a pen test assessment that was done at a company. The results weren't hmm. so great. So they said, go dedicate a director to go fix security. I got called into the office. They said, you're going to fix security. So that's how I ended up in, in security. That's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you've got such extensive experience across, you know, some really large companies. Um, a few that sort of come to mind that, I, that stood out for me, you know, DocuSign, Expedia, AT&T, um, among just many, to your point. How have you seen the the landscape evolve and, you know, particularly perhaps over the last 12 months, given the digital transformation that we've seen so quickly? Yeah, I mean, I can go back all the way pre-iPhone, so um, (laughs) uh, without the iPhone. And I would say um, there is something really special about the iPhone that launched uh, the true mobile experience. And I think that's really when I started to see, like, security explode as something that... Mm people needed to pay more attention to. And so I I was at AT&T at the time and we launched the iPhone. So I've been there since the beginning. I remember I had one. Yeah, they looked a little different, but yeah, yeah. yeah. very different than the phones previous to them. So, yeah, so I, I basically um, uh, knew like the world was different once we launched the iPhone. I didn't realize how different um, it would be. But I think I've seen like a probably in the last six years, uh, the escalation of attacks, the sophistication of the attackers growing, um, the uh, involvement of whether organized crime or nation state, which which had always been involved. I've just seen it. It, it seems to be, it, it's like this democratization of security tools and weapons that can be used mm. by anybody. Um, that has really like made it such a global challenge. And I think in the last 12 months, I think, you know, with the acceleration of digital transformation, I think it's, I'm personally happy that we accelerated a lot of the change that we yeah. need to. I, yeah. I know a lot of companies didn't feel that way. But with that acceleration of change, I think uh, companies have realized how far behind they were in some cases, as well as not having the right talent to necessarily manage that uh, that acceleration of uh, of technology. So so it's not it's not simply just the tool. It's having the people who understand how to really run those technologies and right. and operate them. So, but I think overall, it's we needed that shot in the arm of no pun intended with the vaccine. <laughs> we needed that to uh, you accelerate the digital 
change that has occurred in the last 12 months. That's an interesting perspective. I hadn't even considered the iPhone as sort of the catalyst there, but you're probably right. That changed the way we operate with our phone and became the starting point for a mobile generation, really. Like the phones prior were pretty pretty primitive, really. Yeah. I remember yeah. trying to have to type in a text message on the keypad. And I think the Europeans did it way faster than the, when the Americans never caught on to that. And thank goodness. Yeah phone came in and saved us but yeah yeah i think so yeah i i, I remember all too well my nokia and uh, i i'm glad i have an iphone let's put it that okay. way well cool yeah i mean shifting gears a little bit right i think you know we were talking about just before this sort of the interplay between security and and privacy and how some teams it's all under one roof and other teams they're you know separated we'd love to just get your sense like what you see across one login customers and just your peers how you see security teams sort of engaging in this field of privacy? Yeah, I think uh, initially when security, well, first of all, Europe has been, is far much mature around privacy than the U.S. And GDPR, there was laws even prior to GDPR that were um, focused on privacy. So I think uh, we're playing catch up in the U.S. I think when a GDPR first hit, it, it was pretty much handled by the legal teams, you know, and and I right. think that, that really missed the point of true privacy, which there are a lot of operational elements of privacy that, that legal teams simply don't understand or aren't involved in. So for me, there's a real this real strong line between uh, legal privacy elements and then operational privacy elements. And I think where all the real meaningful stuff happens is on the operational privacy elements. And I think when you look at the operational privacy elements, it's like, you know, where is the data stored? How are you securing the data? Can you delete the data if a customer asks you to delete the data? Do you have the mechanisms in place to do that in an automated and scalable way? These are things right. that I think uh, you have to have your technical teams thinking about. You have to have, you have to have the people who are designing these systems be thinking about privacy by design. So I think right. there are some great synergies when you have privacy embedded together with security because I think they think they think very alike on many issues. And right. um, it's also a very much the same challenge security has sometimes, which is you don't want to bolt on privacy at the end. It becomes very right. expensive and sometimes impossible to do. So you really have to hit privacy on the on the upfront processes similar to you as, as security. So I think there's a lot of similarities there, even though the people who handle privacy and the people who handle security seem to not always want to mesh together, um, but but I think that there are, they have more in common than they do um, than they have differences. And so I have personal responsibility for b- both those functions in my team, and it's worked well. They complement each other; they can help each other, um, and it's pretty optimal. We're a small organization, but and so I know it's not optimal. Like that's not how all large companies can operate because. But, um, but I do think you have to think about it. You can't operate in complete silos. And that, I think that's a right. dangerous uh, formula for privacy. Right. Yeah, interesting. I think, you know, being on the vendor side, would love your commentary on our next point here, which is just, there's obviously this trust movement and we'll talk about this more um, as we keep going. But, you know, how do you see trust as a competitive advantage? I mean, it's, it's in your title today, right? There are people who choose to mention trust. And there are folks that are just looking at security. And I feel like trust is the path of where we're going. 
How do you see that in perhaps your peers and also perhaps customers at one login? Yeah, I mean, trust is a very difficult thing to, um, first of all, how you gain it. And then it's a little more clear how you lose it. So <laughs> gaining, <laughs> yeah, trust, gaining trust can take quite a long time, depending on right. what you're trying to sell to your customers. Um, and I think that when you're a security company, as one login is, it's key that your customers uh, trust the, your product or service. So if they can trust your service, that it will be have good security quality, that it's reliable, that it's available. If they can trust those elements that, and they can trust the relationship they have with you, which is simple things like do what you say you're going to do. If you are going to follow up, follow up with me, let me know. And so it seems like, um, yeah, that's all like not really very interesting technical stuff, but it's about human relationships. It's about managing those relationships and your products, they enhance or they can destroy that relationship depending on, on the, how good they are or not. So, and, and if you look at the world today, there are so many different options for vendors and using different, you know, uh, it seems like the ecosystem of third-party vendors is even more, you know, there's just so much options. I think, yeah, Customers have to like distinguish something and trust is like a, a really a element that they can really, do I trust this person? Do I trust this salesperson? Do I trust this customer yeah. service rep? And so I think it's even because it's, it's a really a key competitive advantage and it contributes at a business level, not just a technical level. So yeah. that's one of yeah. the reasons I wanted it in my title. And I think it's so important for all businesses to consider trust as a you know competitive advantage. Yeah, that's, it's really compelling. I hadn't entirely thought through it at, at a human level. That's really what you're you're trying to achieve first, even before you touch product, right? Um, I think we so often go to product as like, do you trust the product? But to your point, do you trust the person that you're interacting with first? That comes before you even see the product. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting point. Also, Daniel, if you have trust, if you make small mistakes, your customers will tend to like, they'll give you a little bit of flexibility. If they right. are not clear, they trust you and you have a small mistake, they might just say, that's enough. I, it's just proving, you know, it's proving to yeah. me that I don't want to do business with you. So right. it's also sustainability element, you know, having that trust right. allow you to be, take a few long-term relationship. Long-term. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. So as we go into the rapid fire round, so we've got the next couple here, um, I always love to ask folks, um, especially on the vendor side too, just, you know, the information sources that you're reading about every day as sort of a security pro, what are those, those resources? And perhaps just like your top three, if you will. And where do you, where do you go to learn about privacy? Like, are there, are there any sources that you see as a, a trusted source, pun intended? Maybe you want to share, yeah. share a few with us today? I have a little bit of a broad kind of perspective on this. So like I, I be, being, I a director, so. uh, being a board member on some companies, uh, I yep. do look at the NACD director daily, which uh, mm. you know, a subscription to, but it, it does talk yep. about very broad out topics and elements around business. And they are, cybersecurity is a huge element and privacy is a huge element of topics that mm. you read on, on that. So board members are starting to see that. Uh, SC Media Cloud Security is another one that I look mm. at. Um, there's also this um, bulletin we get uh, daily. I don't know if it's paid for, but it's called Smile on Friday. And it's a summary of oh. all that have happened. And I then haven't seen that one. 
Yeah, for privacy stuff, I I like to go, I do go to the IAP what IAPP yep. yeah website yeah and um, I do look at things there, but usually I'm starting to see more privacy uh, type things just pop up with the security articles. So they're start, I'm yeah. starting yeah yeah of those two things come up. So there's a main yeah. the main areas, and then, and then I do get kind of a tailored intelligence briefings from some of the vendors we work on intelligence. Right. So I would right. get those and those are like usually eight, 10 page documents that I'll sit down and read at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This has been great. So the one question I always ask and listeners definitely enjoy this one. If you could offer sort of one piece of advice to folks, perhaps starting their career in, in security or in privacy, what would that be? Yeah. So I um, I thought about this one a little bit and I think <laughs> I would have to say that go work for a small company that wants to do security, but doesn't really know how to do it completely. You're going to like learn a lot in a very short amount of time. And you're going to be uh, exposed to things you have absolutely no idea what to do. <laughs> and, and I think that it's a great way to get your feet wet and understand, hey, I really like this part of security. I don't like this part of security because security is so broad and, yeah, and compliance related stuff. You could do detailed technical stuff, but part of it is discovering what element do you really love. And then once you figure that right. out, you start diving deep into that particular element. And once you dive deep, you develop your expertise. Mine happened to be network security. And then you're able to branch off into leadership and doing other kinds of things. But you always like have to have a core area you're really strong in because you need that credibility with uh, people that you work with and people that might be working for you. That's so interesting, your choice of words there of just like finding something that you love. Along the way, that's the thing that I've realized around like development and employee development if you find out something that you really enjoy doing, even if you're not really that good at it, you'll figure it out because you just enjoy doing it. So it's just an interesting point that clearly you found too. I think that's sound advice for, for folks starting out in their career. Yep. I enjoy reading. Uh, people used to give me a bad time about the books I read. Um, like, <laughs> you're like reading a technical book. You're reading uh, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I actually like it. But I enjoy so, this. <laughs> yeah. So. So, yeah, yeah. but going toward it, it seems it's a lot le less effort when you go towards something you love. A lot less. Agreed. Effort. Agreed. Well, this has been great, Vanessa. Thank you for tuning in. Um, and uh, you can hear Vanessa's podcast on all of the major channels. Um, so, you know, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts. Thank you for joining us, Vanessa, and look forward to speaking again soon. Thank you, Daniel.